You're listening to the Maine Boys to Men podcast, a podcast dedicated to lifting the voices of young people and engaging youth around topics of gender and violence prevention. Thanks for listening. Before this episode gets underway, we would like to issue a warning for any of our listeners who may be sensitive to the topics of mental health or self-harm. This episode contains some information that can be triggering for those individuals. Hi, and welcome back to the Maine Boys to Men Youth Council podcast. This is the third episode. Today we are talking about relationships. I'm Satchel. I'm 17. My name is Aiden Stark-Chessa. I'm also 17. My name's Pearl. I'm 17. My name's Maggie, and I'm 21. So let's start talking about what healthy relationships look like. Let's start on a good note. Well, I think that a key part of any healthy relationship is communication. Um, I think that really is cornerstone. I, I don't think that you can have proper communication, especially in a relationship, without empathy and really seeing mm-hmm. each other as equals and understanding how what you do makes the other person feel and really really taking that into account. But it's more than just communication. It's like taking into account the other person's past experiences, right. their emotions mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. they need and their perspective and like understanding that their life has had an entirely different path up to this current relationship and like that shapes who you are in the relationship, how you grow up and other <clears throat> people that you've had relationships with before that one. And so communicating about that with your partner can help you grow in the current relationship that you're in. But it is, you're right, it is communication. Like, as cliche as that sounds, it is communication. Because it is talking about the other person's boundaries and desires and wants and needs. It's just, I, I feel as though there might be somewhat of a misconception um, that exists. Uh, that is when, if there are really firm boundaries or predetermined things in relationships that people, like know that they should do or shouldn't do or somebody is comfortable or isn't comfortable with then like trust might exist less if you if you actually have to go through and 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 talk about every point that is either like comfortable or uncomfortable or voice everything you feel uncomfortable about but I think that that's actually completely untrue I think that when you're when when people are mature enough and um, like emotionally intelligent enough to go through and say I am uncomfortable with this um, uh, it it actually shows much more trust and is harder but it can also pay off much more yeah to riff off that like I think a lot of people in relationships when they hear their partner giving more boundaries they think that their partner is pushing them away when actually it's the yeah. opposite and they're trying to establish a healthier long term relationship yeah, and I think there can be a uh, a confusing line between boundaries and someone coming across as controlling. Mm-hmm. And I've personally seen a lot of poor examples of um, a girlfriend or a boyfriend being <laughs> controlling in a relationship in terms of, like, giving the other person rules for who they're allowed to talk to or what they're allowed to wear or something like that. And when it comes down to that, like, communication is key, but it's also about letting the other person still be their own individual human being. I think boundaries when it comes to themselves and their own needs. Yeah. Instead of what the other person does, because, you know, 
I feel like that really needs to be a key point. Yeah, and talking about and knowing what you need in yourself and giving yourself the room to decide that you might be okay with something one time, but then decide that you're not okay with it another time, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think I think the, the second place we should go is trust and how to foster that and how to make sure that uh, that trust is actually is actually there and and as Maggie said it might sound cliche but I think it's really important yeah as much as communication and trust are like the first two things that most people talk about in terms of a healthy relationship that it's not wrong communication and trust are incredibly important and trust is I've I've talked to a lot of people about trust and some people feel like trust is earned and some people feel like trust is given until given a reason not to and I I personally feel like that depends on your past experiences I don't know what do you guys think about trust I think that's definitely true I know some people who are super super trusting almost to a fault yeah personally I prefer to be more reserved when it comes to that yeah it definitely really depends and it's really evident in some relationships yeah where you can see that and see almost a misusing of trust sometimes but that's hard especially if you've like been cheated on or have been given a reason to have your trust mistaken or anything like that it can be harder for some people to just know when they like start a certain relationship that everything's going to be okay because you know if they have a poor past experience they might just not automatically believe that and everything might not be okay. There are going to yeah. be bad relationships. Right. Um, people have to grow, and people are going to make mistakes, and trust is going to get broken. Um, but I think yeah. that, that remembering that when trust is present truly, it tends to really pay off. Yeah, Aiden. People absolutely make mistakes in, a relationship and that just, in relationships, and that just comes from not knowing how to maintain a healthy relationship and they should not be demonized for that they should be taught and um, not victimized at all so next time they can partake in a healthier relationship especially at our at our age mm-hmm. you know like just getting into this whole you know deal with relationships maybe not having had many before yeah like there's a lot of room for mistakes yeah and there's there's a lot of room for mistakes and there's there's room for the people who have made mistakes to have the opportunity to learn what's healthy. Exactly. I think it, it think it depends on whether or not that person wants to make it right. Yeah. Do you see a lot of healthy relationships in your peers? Yeah, and I've seen... I've seen a few examples among my peers. One one relationship I can think of in particular right now off the top of my head where they have a really this this partnership has a really really amazing understanding of consent between the two of them and that's something that I was almost I almost shocked to hear because I didn't know of a lot of other couples that were having that conversation actively between each other and these two people have been together for years. Um so I can I can see that as a as a healthy relationship among my peers, but I also see a lot of unhealthy relationships among my peers, and a lot of them having to do with people just being controlling and not understanding how to respect the other person's boundaries. 
I see that as like a common theme. I think that I have seen things that I absolutely think are toxic and I absolutely, I've seen things that I think are absolutely working amazing. But I also understand that if this is between my peers, it is not my job to deem a relationship healthy or unhealthy. And I just try to recognize that. Yeah, I think there's a way to like, if you think a relationship is unhealthy and toxic and potentially abusive, to step in in a way that is like supportive. But there's also, you're right, that nobody really knows what goes behind the the walls of a relationship between two people. I had an experience like that not too long ago with a friend of mine. Her partner was very controlling to the fact where um, he didn't even like her wearing makeup or clothing that he didn't approve of. Wow. So it was like very, very toxic. Me and some of my friends really tried to like let her know that that wasn't really normal. Right. Yeah. Not normal. And some people don't know that. And that's a great point to bring up. Some people don't know that the situation that they're in is wrong or could be better. Yeah, and a lot of people that are in relationships that are toxic and unhealthy, they don't talk about it to other people. And that has to do with the control that the other person normally puts on them. I think that it's very important that in a relationship between two people, there are friends or other people that they can be vulnerable to and talk to outside of the relationship. I just think that if everyone has somebody that can remain neutral and that they can talk to outside of the relationship, that's a lot healthier. What does a healthy breakup look like? A mutual breakup where Mm -hmm. both partners agree and are on the same page. If the two people who are breaking up have partaken in a healthy relationship, they, their communication would be to such a point where even if one of them was madly in love and one of them wasn't feeling it, they would have communicated it well before the time of deciding to separate where everybody knew the feelings of everybody else. So I sort of agree with Pearl in that you can't always expect both parties to agree to like, to be like, to come to terms with the idea of splitting up at the exact same time. But if you're coming from a healthy relationship, there should at least not be huge surprises. Hopefully you have that Mm -hmm. basis of communication Mm -hmm. already established. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Like mutual understanding. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, I see and have heard so many stories that that is just not what happens. Like, I know a lot of stories where people get broken up with and it's either over text or over Snapchat or in a disrespectful way and those people never speak to each other again. And yeah. that's really sad, but it doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that is highly dependent on whether or not both sides are willing to listen and be cooperative. Absolutely. And this is the same for a healthy relationship, but I think the key to a healthy breakup is, again, honesty. Yeah. Most important thing is being honest with yourself, and the second most important thing is being honest with your partner. And um, so I, I think that that's step one. Because if you're not honest with yourself, how can you expect yourself to know how to be honest with your partner? Right, exactly. As a person, just 
for life, I try to do this weekly. I try to sit down in a chair and, and, and especially if I'm more angry or anxious, I try to sort through my emotions and say, you know, I, I think that this stems from this in my life. This stems from this. I'm feeling this way towards this person. And I, and I really try to compartmentalize and think through. So I, so if I act ever out of anger or feel angry, I know exactly where that's coming from so that I can be a kinder, better, more, uh, more communicative person. Um, other hot factors of a healthy breakup? I would say no death threats, no threatening the other person. Oh, I've heard a lot of I've those stories. I've heard so much. So like, many of those. I, at least the examples, just in my personal fun group, yeah. with them, like, you know, someone threatening, threatening to kill themselves threatening if to the kill other person themselves, breaks threatening up with to them. Cut, yeah. with, cut themselves, yeah. you know, never getting over it. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely a very manipulative thing to say, and unfortunately I have heard that a lot among my peers of people threatening that or or really threatening uh, to do anything, anything after a relationship after, yeah. if this happens I'm going to do right. that it's it's just manipulative it doesn't yeah. have to be about specifically self harm mm-hmm. just over this past so. summer I think three different people have told me that happened in their yeah. relationships really? yeah yes. it's like it's it's very common and I don't I don't think that the person who says if you break up with me I'm going to kill myself like I wouldn't say for all of it, but I would guess that most situations, they're just saying it to keep the person in the relationship. Yeah, I know some people who have generally felt like been really connected to someone and then lost that and felt suicidal. So that is a thing. But if you tell your partner that, like that is... So do you think that if a, if a partner gets told that, that they should contact They you should know, authorities? contact authorities. Because there's always the chance that they're not lying. We are not trained mental health advisors, doctors, or anything such as that. <laughs> However, my suggestion as a non-mental health person would be approaching, if you are aware that your partner is unstable, approaching somebody in your life who you feel like you can talk to and is um, more qualified than us to give you advice and tell you how to proceed. Okay, so the fourth prompt that we are going to talk about is how does social media, i.e. TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, affect young people's relationships these days? Um, personally, I, I could say that Snapchat is, seems to be a very big communication between, well, everyone. Um, and there is a weird stigma around Snapchat, especially in the younger generations. It's, it's super strange if you don't know what it is, but basically you just send pictures back and forth to each other or you have conversations. A lot of people use Snapchat as the first way to communicate with someone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use Snapchat as like the only way to communicate with someone. It's a just conversation in starter. messaging. Or just in pictures. But there's a lot of like, as far as how it affects relationships, I have noticed there's a lot of unspoken rules in Snapchat as far as mm-hmm. in the relationship. Like, for instance, if 
one person in the relationship sends a picture and the other person opens it but doesn't respond and they might do that and they might not think anything of it but the other person might think that they're mad at them Mm -hmm. or vice versa that person is mad at them so they purposely open the snapchat and don't respond and it's used as like a game and they can you can do that same thing with like instagram and tiktok Mm -hmm. i think that though snapchat is a good place to start especially because it it seems unavoidable at this point, at least not or not unavoidable, but really hard to avoid if you're like trying to meet people and talk to people. That's like the way that ninety percent of people like meet people, talk to people, and like start relationships, especially at yeah. our age. Yeah, when I say ninety percent of people, I mean yeah. I'm in our age. Yeah, um, it's so <laughs> common for that to be the first place of contact. Right, and people. it's like if you see someone that you have a potential interest in. It's not like you know their number. You can't. Right. You right. somehow you just, have you just a add mutual them. friend who has a Snapchat. You add them. You yeah. send pictures back and forth to each other. It sounds super weird, and there's yeah. a lot of weird rules about it. I was having a conversation with another youth council member a few months ago, and he was talking about how he no longer has Snapchat because he just couldn't handle the like game of streaks and like oh, he didn't even talk about that. But like, like how people just like he thought it was really. <laughs> stupid how people sent pictures of their face and just back and forth and i like and i think that when the volume is like high and you're like sending pictures of your face to like just tons of people for no reason it like that also sort of rubbed me the wrong way and so my but i also like want to be able to um like like it's the way where people meet each other if somebody's like yo like you're sick like let's go surf later like what's your snapchat so, like, we can go surf or something. Um, it's weird so, that so, it's a so way. It's, you, it's a weird that it's a way that you actually maintain relationships, right. even if you're barely talking. Mm-hmm. So, so the way I mm-hmm. got around that is I like I still have Snapchat for just sort of making new friends. Um, but uh, at the same time, I only Snapchat like one or two people, one of whom like is my girlfriend. So, it, um, I think that there are ways to have it be not a consuming part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think that if it's healthier for you, use it however you want. Um, I just find it a little overbearing when I'm Snapchatting, like, 25 people just like my face. As long as, like, in real life, you're secure in, in your relationship with somebody else, it doesn't really matter what goes on on Snapchat. Like, you can forget to respond and, like, the other person... Like, won't be mad, because they're like, oh, I, like, know that my relationship with this person is more than just Snapchatting. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it comes to be a problem when uh, people aren't secure in that the relationship isn't more than just Snapchatting. And I personally have seen many, many, many times in my peers where, um, like, someone's just stressing out because they, uh, they like, didn't get a Snapchat back. Or they got left on red. Mm-hmm. And, um, Being left on red is a whole other category in and of itself. Like it's a, yeah. yeah. It's like a thing. Like that's, that's a thing it's nowadays. It's literally a thing. Being left like, oh, he left me on red. Oh, she left me on red. Like, oh, they left me on red. Like, if you're left on red, it yeah. means something right. so mm-hmm. big now mm-hmm. that is like, oh, like, that person must be mad at me. Like, and as you said, to some people, it's absolutely nothing. Right. And to some people, it's a very it's it's a strategy 
to manipulate yes. someone. Mm-hmm. Yes, people mm-hmm. use it to gain more attention or communication from their partner. And it can get very toxic. I could share yeah. a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could share, share a personal, personal story. story. Um, a friend of mine, he has this girlfriend of two years, and still, when she will, when she's mad, she'll leave him on red, and then you can see when somebody's typing on Snapchat, so she'll type and then delete everything and type just so he notices that she's typing. So just so the little just, bubble uh-huh. that says just like, a little bubble. So and so is typing. So she up. so she can see that he left him on red. It it's a game. Um, <laughs> it's a game unless you're you're like secure in your in mm-hmm. your relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's Absolutely. a game to one person if they're not secure in what's going on, right. whereas to the other person it might not even be a game, mm-hmm. which just can make the person that's trying to start the game it really backfires on right. them. But like But if if both people if it's like a healthy playing. relationship and both people are not playing the game and just like secure in the relationship, it works great. Exactly. And if both of you are playing the game, it can get more toxic. Yes. Um, and there's also the whole other side of like Snapchat and Instagram where like that can be used as a way for people to be dishonest with their partners. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so easy on Snapchat to do that. It's so mm-hmm. easy. I have a confession to make. Yeah? I oh? had to delete my Snapchat because I left everyone unopened. And I ended up hurting people. Not because wow. I meant anything mm-hmm. from it, but because I get distracted and I forget to respond. Yeah. I'll end up doing something else. And I actually just... And they took it personally? Yes. Pearl, even my friends... Who like, I have like a confident like secure relationship with. It's it's happened before. It's like why are you ignore me? Why do you leave me unread? It's like, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't like mean to. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. We weren't having a conversation. Mm-hmm. It it is so strange. It's so hard. I just I could not handle that. Mm-hmm. I had Snapchat like actually like used it for like maybe six months and I just couldn't anymore. Because people are being so upset and hurt and taking it personally by you leaving them on red. Yeah, if I had, like, if I was doing something else. Like, I have a life. Yeah. I can't yeah. always right. respond to people. Yeah, I, ha- yeah, I have a life. Like, that is, that's something that a lot of people use in, that phrase is a, something that people use in relationships if they have a partner that seems like they're playing the Snapchat game or the yeah. Instagram game or the social media game. After Snapchat, we're going to discuss how TikTok affects healthy relationships or not healthy relationships. TikTok has the potential to be a toxic place, promoting just like uh, unreasonable standards of living in general, unreasonable standards for relationships, unreasonable standards for for how people should look, act, behave, what actually happens. Um, So so not only does this, does, does the app TikTok have the potential to um, sort of spread misinformation about how it's healthy and good to act. But also, um, the barrier to entry to making a video uh, is so low. Uh, It is so easy to just, like, make a video and post it. It is really easy to make, like, personal attacks or um, jokes. So, for instance, I was talking to a a close friend of mine recently about a relationship that that she had witnessed. in which a TikTok was made about their breakup and the relationship um, that was harmful to uh, to my friend's friend who had been broken up with. 
they spread really easily and it's like it's like if the concept of gossip was an app that was also unhealthy i think that if like you're using tiktok to attack people actually like it it cord- it sort of like is a bad force in relationships but i think it can either be neutral like y'all like both parties one party in the relationship has tiktok use it enjoys it laughs at stuff sends funny videos to each other harmless um, like harmless fun that's how i've i've used tiktok yeah. in potential like, relationships for the record um but i think that I think that when it is used to harm people, it'd be pretty detrimental in a lot of ways. I also, for the record, do have TikTok and find it funny sometimes. Oh, yeah. I oh, admittedly sure I have 100% yeah. have TikTok. And I, I think it's just like every other social media. There are ways for it to be super comical, healthy, normal, putting out good content that is educational or motivational or anything like that. But just like a lot of other things, it is used for bad messages a lot. And not even intentionally a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Like, even just with the trends that go around TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram, like, trends that make people feel like they have unrealistic expectations that they mm-hmm. have to meet. What does healthy consent look like in a relationship? In terms of consent, there is a little like motto we have learned in Main Boys to Men and something that we talk about, and this is definitely not the only way to go about it, but affirmative consent can be used as an algorithm called GEAR. G being given freely. Neither person should feel forced to give consent. E, enthusiastic. Each person should give an excited yes. A. Aware. Consent cannot be given or obtained if someone is unconscious or not alert. And reversible. Each person has the right to take back consent. So this is something that you can have a conversation with with the person that you're dating or in a relationship with about what consent looks like to you. Because I, as as much as that can be a hard guideline, consent in terms of your own boundaries, is different per relationship. You then hear stories and experience experiences that show you that it is really, really important to have every single person to both practice it and be having constant conversations about it. Because, you know, where... Where a couple years ago, me, were like, ugh, having constant conversations about consent is really boring and arbitrary and stupid. Me now is like, I, it is so important to have constant uh, conversation around consent. And it, and it isn't a chore. Before I started working with main boys to men, I thought consent was entirely just with sex i thought consent was just for that and that it was a simple like you said yes Mm. or no don't be drunk yada yada Mm. like they said yes it's yes but what i learned since going to main boys to men is that consent goes all the way back to giving a hug consent goes all the way back to can i hold your hand can i give you a hug can i kiss you can i do this can i do that like it's not just as simple as like hey you want to hook up it, that's not that's not where consent ends. Consent can be for the smallest of things and for the biggest of things. 
and that's something that I didn't really realize before starting to work with Maine Boys to Men, but it's really important because certain people have significantly higher tolerances to physical touch than other people. And that's not something to ignore when you're starting a relationship because you don't know what that other person has been through. I also think consent is an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just one like quick, hey, can I do this? You really should be checking in with your partner multiple times, like, yeah. you know, through your relationship about this sort yeah. of stuff. And understanding that just because you're in a relationship with someone does not mean that consent is implied. Just because you're dating her or him or they, just because you're with that person, just because they've agreed to be your girlfriend or boyfriend, like just because they've agreed to be your partner does not mean that they've agreed to everything else that you think is okay. That goes back to the retractable piece. It's like one day um, he or she or them might be okay with a certain kind of touch. Mm -hmm. And the next day... They could be like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it's a new conversation every day, every moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's dangerous to assume that a one-time yes lasts for the whole relationship. And it's dangerous to assume that just because you're in a relationship with that person doesn't mean that you are not capable of hurting them. I mean, yes. no definitely means no. No definitely means no. No I means no, and it's it's literally that. Like, it's no means yeah. no, and there is no other right. reason. Mm-hmm. If that person said no. But, you don't need but to I also them. will say, and one thing that is a lot of people don't know as far as consent goes, just because you didn't say no doesn't mean you said yes. No. Yeah. Just because you didn't verbalize no doesn't mean the yes is assumed. Just because you didn't scream no doesn't mean that what happened to you was what you wanted because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of people especially in rape situations they say like oh well i didn't scream no i didn't say no i didn't push him off well did and you say so yes that was, and then they internalize that guilt exactly mm-hmm. and then that becomes shame and guilt upon yourself which bringing this all back around to what this topic is about which is a healthy relationship you you can be hurt within a relationship Mm-hmm. And that can come from assumptions and assumptions about what the other person is okay with. And so I think it kind of goes back to even what we were talking about in the beginning as far as communication and trust and boundaries. It's different for every relationship. Mm-hmm. It's different for what you're okay with and what your partner is okay with. And if you're not communicating that boundary and what you are or are not okay with, then that's where there's room for mistakes. Consent should be a, a ongoing really endless conversation yeah and also it doesn't have to be that awkward like sometimes like again I'll give an example with the relationship I'm in now we're driving in the car I'm driving he wants to put his hand on my leg he says can I put my hand on your leg it's not awkward Mm -hmm. it's not weird Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me feel like it's like not smooth or like not charming it's just consent Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's not it doesn't have to be like oh, I'm just going to avoid touch so I don't have to ask for consent because that's so weird to ask for. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like that. Make it, make it normal by doing it. We really appreciate you guys listening to us talk about healthy relationships today. I know that none of us are um, mental health experts whatsoever, but we all have our own personal experiences, and we hope that you can take some education or even just a new perspective from the things that we had to say. And we hope you enjoy listening. All right. Bye. Bye.
you or a friend of yours needs the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, please call 800-273-8255. In addition, everyone deserves a healthy relationship that is positive, healthy, and free of violence. So, if you need to call the National Relationship Concerns Hotline, please call 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening to The Youth Take. To support more conversations like these, please consider giving $5 at mainboysmen.org.